so the era of the the Jets' worst starting quarterback in franchise history has officially come to an end. And that's that's not a hot take. That's just the facts. James Morgan is no longer the Jets' starting quarterback. And for one month, the Jets' quarterback position was in the worst shape that it's ever been. Now, we all knew what was going to happen, but even when they drafted Darnold, they had Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater on the roster. And how about the fact now that Darnold goes to Carolina and he kicks Bridgewater out of a starting job again. The second time in three years that that happens. And Bridgewater was a better quarterback than Darnold in 2018, and he's definitely better than him now. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look back at the Sam Darnold era with the Jets with a, with a lot of frustration. Because I, I think even the people that didn't love him coming out of the draft, coming out of college, which there were only a few that didn't love him, I don't think that even they would have said he's not going to make it to year four of his career with the Jets. And look, no no question the Jets deserve a ton of blame for that, for the reasons as to why it didn't work out for Darnold here. Mike McCagnan, Joe Douglas, to a much lesser extent, I'll say. Uh, Christopher Johnson, Adam, Adam Gase. The Jets did Darnold no favors in the coaching and the talent that they gave him. But that being said, like there there was nothing. There there were no signs of development or or growth outside of maybe the Packers game week 16 of his rookie year and then the Cowboys game after he came back from uh being out for a couple weeks with Mono in his sophomore season. There were very very few games where you watched him and you said, "Yes, like this is the guy. We got our guy." There were there were some moments there were some individual plays, but for every great play that Darnold made with the Jets, he seemingly followed it up with like 10 head-scratching plays. And I don't care how bad your coaching or your talent is, if you are a legitimate franchise quarterback, he should have been able to show at least a few more signs that he was figuring it out. So it's it's frustrating because we had such high hopes. Because every draft analyst was so confident that Darnold was this can't-miss prospect. Every beat writer said, don't worry, Darnold's the guy. And they were all wrong. That's why I hate mock drafts. I hate draft experts. Not personally. I'm sure Mel Kuyper is a lovely fellow off camera. But I just, I, I hate how every one of the Macs, like, they know so much about the 259 guys that are getting drafted when in reality most of them they never watched a lot of these kids playing college and and most of them have no idea what they're going to do in the pros all of them have no idea what they're going to do in the pros and I'm not I'm not going to pretend that I know about all the draft picks that the Jets just made because I don't and honestly I would get bored if I needed to sit here for 20 minutes and pretend that I I know all this uh, stats and facts about Jonathan Marshall do I, I could say like do, things that do I like that the Jets went offense with their first four picks? Yeah, absolutely. Do I like that Joe Douglas seems to operate aggressively in the draft and has conviction in getting the guys that he wants? Absolutely. Did I find it funny that the Jets drafted two guys named Michael Carter? Yes, I did. I love the idea of building an offensive line to protect Wilson right off the bat. I love the idea of of giving him another speedy wide receiver, drafting a running back who has the ability to be a pass blocker as well, which is, that was the best attribute about the first Michael Carter that Douglas took on Saturday. 
the fact that he could be a pass blocker in addition to being maybe a serviceable running back. And I, I'd be lying if, if I don't acknowledge, I, I get a little bit giddy when I hear comps like Aaron Rodgers for Zach Wilson. You know, the idea that Chris Sims had Wilson ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence, it's, it's intriguing. And, and that's, that's not to say that the Jets would have taken Wilson if they had the first overall pick, because obviously that would have been near moronic, that decision. But Sims has some major credibility after he went off the rails in analyzing that 2018 draft. He was the lone guy that had Lamar Jackson ranked as one, Josh Allen two, Baker Mayfield three, Sam Darnold four, and Josh Rosen five. And you go back to that draft, like the odds of the top five quarterbacks falling in that order were one in a million. Nobody had them ranked like that. Darnold and Mayfield were at the top of everybody's board with, with, with probably more of them leaning towards Sam. And I'd say Rosen was three. Most often, Allen was four solely on arm strength, and Lamar was a, was a pretty distant five. But when you bust through with a seemingly ridiculous quarterback board and you nail it, that does stand for something. So I'm not I'm not saying that Wilson is better than Lawrence, but I'm I'm saying that he's absolutely worth the risk in taking him number two overall, and I'm I'm excited about the fact that. Uh, that he's here. I'm excited to see what, what he can be because the, the unknown is exciting. And I think we could all agree that Zach Wilson is at least at a minimum, he's the better looking quarterback. They both have that like kind of West Coast cool vibe going for them in, in how they look. But did you did you see the GQ shots that Wilson was taking before the draft? I mean, and his mom, my goodness, we, we know where he gets his looks from. If, if Disney Plus decides to do a high school musical reboot, though, at some point in the next year or two, while Zach Wilson still looks like a teenager, he is the new Zach Efron. Even if he can't sing, dance, or act, just like put a Letterman jacket on him, make him stand in the middle of the movie for 90 minutes. He's that, he's that much of the, the golden boy looks about him. But I almost, he's so young. Is he, is he too young? Is it too young for me to be complimenting his looks? The guy looks like he's still in high school. Like he was prepping for prom, and even at even if he's tw- he's twenty one years old, I don't know how old is too old to find a twenty one year old to to compliment a twenty one year old on their on their looks. When does that go from being complimentary to creepy? Like I'm thirty three years old. Am I there yet? To, at the point where saying a twenty one year old is good looking is that is that getting creepy at this point? You see the the amount of people in Hollywood, the amount of middle aged folk running after the twenty one year olds. It's it's creepy. Dave Portnoy is is 44 years old, and he keeps having these sex tapes released with girls half his age. It's consensual. I'm not saying anything about that, but uh, it's still still creepy. Zach Wilson's mom, though, my goodness, right up there with with Luka Doncic and, and Michael Conforto in terms of pro athletes who have showstopper moms. And then how about all the, the different storylines leading up to the draft? Tim Tebow making a comeback with Urban Meyer as a tight end. And that's an absolute disaster waiting to happen if that if that goes anywhere. Remember when the, the Jets lined him up at a wide receiver in 2012? He ran the wrong route and, and took a Mark Sanchez pass to the face. I'm sure you would expect a, a lot. And I mean, he's 33 years old now. How How is he possibly at this point? going to be able to, after playing baseball for the last three years, going to be able to turn it himself into a, 
professional tight end. It's just it's ridiculous to think that there's any chance of that actually happening. And then the other one, the Aaron Rodgers bombshell report, just like flipped the draft coverage upside down for a few hours on Thursday. And I loved every second of it because it, I, I was so sick of seeing everybody just breaking down their mock drafts. I was excited to have a storyline that was uh, that was different for a few hours. And then h- how about the Green Bay Packers? You got an MVP quarterback. You tick him off by drafting Jordan Love. And I know the the role was once reversed with with Rodgers and Brett Favre, but Favre had a, a few bad years before they took Aaron Rodgers. And he was always threatening to retire near the end of his career, especially near the end of his tenure with Green Bay. Rodgers is still an MVP quarterback consistently. Favre didn't have nearly as much left in the tank as as Rodgers does right now. He was a good quarterback. Yeah, he was a good quarterback if if given a good team. Rodgers could still carry a team. I think that's the biggest difference. But now the Packers, they're just, they're kind of lost because the Niners, if this happened a month ago, I, I think they would have had more leverage. But now the Niners, the Bears, the Patriots, they all all those teams that you would have looked at as, as potential landing spots for Rodgers, they just drafted quarterbacks. So they're not trading for Aaron Rodgers now. So it's Denver, it's Vegas, or bust. And the, the Packers are now going to have a hard time building leverage back up. And I'll say this about Aaron Rodgers also. The idea of Aaron leaving football for jeopardy is not crazy. Because he can make maybe, say, between 35 and $40 million a year in the NFL for four more years. He's 37 years old, so it would be tough to count on him being able to have five more elite-level years left in his career. It's possible, but like I would not bet on that. So say 35 to $40 million in the NFL for four more years if everything breaks right. Or he can go host Jeopardy for 30 years and average close to $15 million every year with that job. And a job that it requires very little time. You're working maybe 50 days a year that you're taping that show. So where else can Rodgers find a job opportunity like that when he retires? Those gigs are, in, are next to impossible to find. Very hard to find. So if he's able to get it now, if, if he plays football for four more years, that job's not going to be available to him in four years. It's, it's potentially available now. He might have to retire to take it. I know he was talking about trying to finagle that he could do both, but... I just, I, I don't know that he would be able to work that out. But what a just Jets-like mess in Green Bay right now. And I guess, I guess we, we could only be so lucky, though, to have back-to-back quarterbacks last 16 years each, both win three MVPs, and both win a Super Bowl for the team. And then just know that you're going to have to suffer through the fact that it's going to blow up in flames at the end. You know what? I would sign up for that. So I take that back. Not a Jets-like mess. I I would sign up for for all of that to happen, even though knowing that it's going to blow up in flames at the end of the tenure. Let's take a quick break on the Brandon Condes Jets podcast back after this. As much as every general manager and coach says that they want to emphasize building at the lines— and that they understand that the line of scrimmage is where games are won and lost in football. They just they can't help themselves when it comes to an electrifying skilled position player. 
It's the way that I played Madden back when I was 14, 15 years old, when I, when I would play in franchise mode. Because I completely ignored the offensive line at first. The, the first few rounds of the draft, I was picking wideouts, running backs, maybe an edge rusher, and then I would snag a seventh-round offensive lineman. And it, it took me a while to figure out that it was the, the recipe for 7-9 and nine every single year. But credit Joe Douglas for being what seems like a better general manager than I was in Madden when I was 14 years old. He seems like he really does believe in building the offensive line. And he's now he's put his stamp on this team by trading who was supposed to be the savior and drafting who he believes will be the savior. So Douglas is now forever attached at the hip to Zach Wilson. If Wilson is a bust, Douglas is going to be gone. He doesn't get to do this twice. I, I don't I like I don't know how the Bears let Ryan Pace do it twice. Douglas isn't going to get that opportunity. And and not only did, did Pace get to draft two first round quarterbacks, he got to trade up for both of them. They traded they only moved up one spot in 2017, but they traded four picks to get Trubisky. And they traded four picks again this year to get Fields. So they trust Ryan Pace so much that they let him invest eight draft picks and three first-rounders for two quarterbacks in just four years. One of them is already a bust. And I hope Fields works out. Bears fans deserve a a franchise quarterback just as as bad as the Jets fans do. But trusting Ryan Pace to to try again after striking out with Trubisky is just its not something that a lot of general managers are, are going to get the opportunity to do. So, I think this is it with Douglas. If if Wilson's good, Douglas could be here for 10 years. If he's a bust, Douglas could be out in two years. But what I love about Douglas is that he knows that. And he's operating like he knows that. That's why he's putting a brick wall around fields. You have Mekhi Becton already. Looks like a stud left tackle. And now you have Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard to go with Becton, who, who most people thought was the best offensive lineman in the draft. Was he the best player available at 14? Probably not. But right now, the Jets have a different priority than taking the best player available in the draft. Their priority is protecting Wilson. And their priority is helping Wilson develop. And what better way to do that than by giving a young quarterback time to read the defense, time to make good decisions, time to get acclimated and confident in playing football in the NFL, and it's it's good to help when you have Becton at 6'7", 365. Vera Tucker is 6'4", 315. Those are monsters protecting Wilson. And that's something that Darnold didn't have when, when the Jets were trying to develop him. They took Darnold and they still kept going best player available in the draft. And it ruined him. Look, the Jets have a ton of holes right now. Normally a 2-14 and 14 team... They should be operating under the the mindset of making sure you just take the best available player in the draft at, at every every time you can. But they can't fix this team, this roster, in one year. They can't build a Super Bowl team in one year. So I'm okay building a six and ten team, which I, I get is kind of a weird thing to say, but I'm cool with it if it means Wilson is developing. The Jets' secondary is a mess, mainly their cornerbacks. 
And investing in fifth and sixth rounders in a position is not going to fix that. But but so what? If we agree that they can't build a Super Bowl team this year, then let's focus on getting the quarterback help. And that's exactly what Douglas invested his first four draft picks in by investing in the offense, something that the Jets hadn't done since 1983, which oddly enough was when they took Ken O'Brien, which it didn't work out, but it was the right mentality. And imagine if they had that mentality with the right guy, with the right quarterback, and they took Dan Marino that year. The the Jets would have, they, they would have a much different feel about their ability to find a franchise quarterback right now if that was the case. But the point that I'm trying to make is I'd rather see the Jets go 6-10 and 10 with a secondary that routinely gets torched if it means that Wilson is going to be able to stand upright and have some guys to throw to in his rookie year. So you, you give him a stud left side of the offensive line. You give him a possible number one receiver in Corey Davis by signing him in, in free agency. You invest two second rounders with Denzel Mims, who already looks like a, a hell of a lot better than Stephen Hill and Devin Smith did. Mims looked legit last year. Looked like a legit second round wide receiver that could potentially be here for a very long time. Now we had Elijah Moore with essentially a first-round pick, even though it was a second-round pick, 34th overall. What was it? It was eight games and 86 catches before he opted out at Ole Miss last year, something ridiculous like that. The dude's fast. He's well-rounded. We'll see what it means for Jamison Crowder. I know Douglas said that Moore is not here to replace Crowder, but the reality is Crowder becomes expendable now. And I kind of I shifted away from my initial pointing it, which is essentially this. I'd rather see the Jets go six and ten with a productive building year from Wilson than go eight and eight with a good secondary, but you have Wilson look like a, a question mark. So the Jets secondary is below average at best right now. Douglas knows that, but he also knows the priority has to be building around Wilson, setting him up for success and development, which the Jets never did for Sam Darnold. And I will, be, I will be the first to admit that if Darnold was going to be great, he should have been able to break through the lack of support that the Jets gave him. But that doesn't mean that if they did properly build around him and they did properly give him the right coaching and right support and, and build an offensive line, that he wouldn't have at least proved himself worthy of getting his fifth-year option picked up and lasting here more than three years. You know, Josh Allen is really good. But if the Jets drafted Josh Allen instead of Darnold, I think he'd be a mess right now here. Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, like they're guys that they would have been great no matter what team or what situation they got drafted to. But that's not the level of quarterback that we're talking about with Allen and with Darnold. And we have no idea yet if it's the level of quarterback that we're talking about with Wilson. So we keep hearing him get compared to Mahomes and get compared to Aaron Rodgers, but realistically, those comps are just hopeful long shots. The guy has a cannon on the run, great. You know, let's let's at least just give him all the support and help that we possibly can in his rookie season and make sure we can at a minimum have a quarterback worthy of getting their fifth-year option picked up at some point, or, or dare I say, scratch the fifth year, and get him a $200 million contract after three seasons. And that's the that's the beauty of hitting a restart button on your quarterback. In another year, Darnold is going to co- cost $30 million annually. With a rookie, 
the Jets now have the ability to to save on their quarterback for at least three years, possibly four. And they can invest that savings in the defense and build a secondary through trades and through free agency. It's very hard to build an offensive line that way because teams teams that have good offensive linemen, they, they don't let them get to free agency. It's rare. It's nearly impossible to get a quarterback that way. But you can plug other holes with that money. So I love the fact that Douglas went four offensive players with his first four draft picks this year. He recognizes his future as a general manager in this league is now attached to Zach Wilson. And he's not going to leave him on an island to figure it out himself. McCagnum was relying on Darnold to figure it out himself. Douglas said, nuh-uh. My guy's getting a brick wall. He's getting a brick wall around him, and he's getting some legitimate playmakers to get started. Wilson is just 21 years old, but he's already being put into a situation with a better offense and a more stable coaching staff than Darnold ever had in his three seasons with the Jets. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Cottage Jets podcast, and as always, be good.